What's up, Hawks fans, and welcome to another episode of Sweater Weather, a Chicago Blackhawks podcast. Today is December 9th of 2018. Uh, my name is Luke. I'm joined once again by Abe. How you doing, Abe? Uh, not bad. Getting over a cold, which is why I sound sick. How are you? Good, good. Uh, I finally beat Red Dead. The epilogue and everything. Both parts of the epilogue. The epilogue is very long. They probably could have made that DLC or something if they wanted to. I still uh, have not finished the epilogue. Really? Right. Well, it's because I'm still too sucked into Black Ops and now Super Smash Brothers is out and Let's Go Pikachu. <laughs> <laughs> You're playing all these games at once? Yes. And wow. I have Spyro sitting in the background too. Uh, I gotta play Spyro. Yeah. You know, I, I only played a little bit of those games when I was younger. Like, when I was younger, we didn't we didn't have a lot of money for games, so uh, maybe you recall uh, there were like there was like the the official PlayStation magazine, and each issue came with a little demo disc yeah, with uh, like a like a half dozen games or something on them. Uh, so I had like two years worth of those. Uh, I also had I had a couple of demo discs from Pizza Hut because there's one point when Pizza Hut did a promo. Where uh, you order a pizza and you could get one of like two or three different uh, discs with a bunch of demos in it. So I just had this fat stack of demo discs with, you know, like 30 minutes worth of some PS1 game. Uh, so there was one Spyro level that I played over and over and over again. But I never had the actual game and I never finished any of the actual Spyro games. Mm. So I, I'm kind of looking forward to going back and playing those for real. Also, I did have I did have the crash games, the full games, and I always got stuck on that stupid like fortress level in the first one. Mm -hmm. You know, you know the one. Mm -hmm. It's so hard. And it was it was especially hard for a, a youth such as myself who sucked at video games to begin with. Yeah, no, the ones that gave me problems in Crash, the bridge levels. Like, I was doing the second bridge, like, Sky Bridge yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, is it the, the Fortress one? Is it what it is? Where, uh, you're, 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 um, it starts where you're, you're running, uh, I think, towards the screen or away from the screen or something, like you usually do, and then, like, you climb the Fortress and it, it turns into, uh, like a 2D situation where he's traveling left and right. Oh, no, I haven't gotten there yet. It's, no? No. But no, those it's those sky like those sky bridge missions. The one I got stuck on was the second one where you have the platforms that invisible plat like in invisible um ste uh steps. Yeah. So yeah, that was a bitch. And I literally wasted like close to a hundred lives and I have not <laughs> played that game since. Those games are so hard. Although I did beat Crash Three. Just for some uh uh Crash Bandicoot Warped is what it was called. Mm -hmm. I beat that one. And for, I don't know why, but the first one was so hard. It was ridiculously hard. Uh, so what often happened is I would just play the first, you know, like three quarters of that game over and over and over again. Um, uh, but I digress. Uh, as of today, again, it's uh, December 9th, 2018. Uh, the Blackhawks are dead last in the league. Uh, and I could not be happier. Let me tell you. I know it's, um, things look bleak, but, uh, I, I, I personally am excited for the, 
the opportunity for the Hawks to draft another generational talent in uh, the draft this year. Uh, and not that, you know, that's still a ways away. There's still a lot of hockey to be played. The Hawks could climb the standings. Um, but I'm, I'm really hoping that we have a, a legitimate shot at Jack Hughes or Capo uh, 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 Caco or whatever his name is. The, 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 the crazy, like, I think he's, a, I think he's Finnish. Um, and people are kind of comparing him to, I think they're comparing him to Patrick Laine. Okay. And then Jack Hughes, he's getting a lot of Patrick Kane comparisons. Um, so just like the opportunity to draft one of these kids is, is really exciting to me. Like imagine, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this later. We'll talk about this later. I got a, I got a slot in, uh, the discussion section for this. Uh, so let's talk about some, some news that has happened since we last met up. Um, now, as you recall in the last episode, you said almost verbatim that you believe that the Schmaltz experiment could be over. Yeah. Lo and behold, like two days after we recorded that, Schmaltz was flipped to Arizona for Dylan Strom and Brendan Perlini. You mean Blackhawks West? Yeah, Blackhawks West. <laughs> Blackhawks Southwest. Um, so, it's, it's obviously too soon to determine who won that trade. But uh, the, the results so far are interesting. Uh, in Arizona's six games since the trade, they've gone four and two. Uh, Schmaltz has three goals, three assists, and he's minus three in all six of those games. Um, the Hawks, however, are 0 and 6. Uh, Dylan Strom has two goals and one assist. He's minus four in five games played. Wait, is that right? Is that minus six? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Um, I'm confusing myself. But, yeah, so uh, Strom has two goals and one assist. He's minus four. Perlini has zero goals, zero assists, and he's minus four in... I don't know. I think it might be six games played. Maybe it's five. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. So, early returns on this trade are much better for Arizona. Uh, Strom appears to be... I think there's potential for him. Um, I don't know that he's ever going to have the same kind of ceiling that Schmaltz had. Uh, Perlini... He, he's done nothing so far. I don't know that that's necessarily indicative of what he can do or what he will do, but uh, it it hasn't worked out super well for him so far. I don't know. How, how do you feel about these two? Now, Strom was the one that was the former third overall draft pick, right? Yeah, Strom was number three. I think Perlini was number 12. Okay, so yeah, Strom being number three, that's actually kind of disappointing considering how long he's been around. And mm-hmm. there's been no sign of development for him, really. So, I mean, hopefully, the ch- like I said with Schmaltz, that he just probably needs a change of scenery where he can thrive. I wonder if it's going to be the same thing for Strom. Like, mm-hmm. now that he's out of Arizona, maybe we can get a lot more out of him so he can live up to that third overall pick potential. Yeah. Um, 
So I, uh, based on what like all the uh, all the scouts are saying, all the scouts, their biggest criticism of Strom is like you know they say that he has, he has all these uh, all these great qualities. He's got this immense hockey IQ and he's got this this vision and he's got a great shot. But the biggest criticism that they have for Dylan Strom is that he doesn't have great legs. Uh, he can't skate very well, um, and I don't know that. I don't know that his skating is necessarily uh, based on what I've seen and based on what uh, people in Chicago seem to uh, uh, be drawing from his first, what, five games with the team. Um, I don't know that he's, I don't know that his skating is bad enough that it's going to hold him back a lot. Um, but... It, it's definitely something to be cognizant of. I could see it uh, maybe hindering him at some point. Uh, Perlini, he had he had a couple of good seasons. I mean, like look at his stats real quick. Um, I'm trying to pull up his uh, his seventeen eighteen season. Yeah, so in sixteen seventeen he had fourteen goals and seven points. Or excuse me, fourteen goals and seven assists. In seventeen eighteen, he had seventeen goals and thirteen assists, uh, which dipped a lot. In uh, this season with Arizona, he dipped down to just two goals and four assists in twenty two games. So this kid, he's on paper, he's got the makings of like a like a second line winger, um, but I guess. It's he's he's almost like the inverse of Dylan Strom, where he's he's really fast, but he kind of lacks that that vision and that hockey intelligence that it takes to uh, to make those great plays. So it's almost like you could put these two guys together and you'd have a, a like one really great, well-rounded hockey player. I say they should spend the summer with Patrick Kane. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh the Hawks have some good trainers. Maybe they could uh 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 have uh they could send Strom to work with the the guy that um Patrick Kane trains with every summer. I know he was working on his edge work and stuff this summer. Um but you know, only time is going to tell how those two pan out. Um, they, the Hawks do play tonight against Montreal. They're in Chicago. Um, by the time you guys listen to this, you'll have, you'll already know that the Hawks lost five to four and overtime. I don't know. Um, uh, but moving on, uh, in non-Blackhawks related news, uh, the Seattle expansion is official. Uh, the, the new unnamed... Seattle team will be joining the Pacific Division, and uh, since that would put like nine teams in the Pacific and I think seven in the Central, they're moving Arizona into the Central. Um, which I don't know that uh, Chicago fans should necessarily be uh, uh, concerned about. It's not like Vegas is moving over here, but it's it's interesting because. Uh, it seems like Carolina 
and Arizona are two of Stan Bowman's favorite places to trade with. And uh, I, I wonder if that'll change with Arizona being in the Central. Oh, I definitely think so, because teams are much less likely to trade within their division. Yeah. Unless, you know, they come calling and say, I'll, I'll give you uh, I'll give you first rounder for Ryan Hartman. And then Bowman's going to do it. Um, uh, okay, so moving on. There was a, a, a bit of a gaffe in Vancouver this past week. Uh, they, they got a new DJ, and the DJ played, during a home game, Chelsea Dagger, which fans did not uh, take too kindly to. Uh, I think that's hilarious. I also think that is hilarious. Uh, apparently, you know, she was new, she didn't really, I, I guess she didn't really understand, like, the, the history, the meaning behind that song. The, yeah, even she admitted the, that she never even followed the Canucks prior to landing that job, so. Yeah, you know, she apologized, uh, it was a, an innocent mistake, but nonetheless, very hilarious. You know, um... Speaking of Vancouver, this is off topic, but speaking of Vancouver, they're hosting the 2019 draft. And I'm tempted, if the Hawks get like a, like a top three pick, I'm tempted to go to the draft this year. Hmm. If, if the Hawks win the lottery and they get the number one pick, I'm getting a jersey that says Hughes on it. And then like the number 19 or something, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wear it to the draft. I'm going to do it. Are you going to play Chelsea Dagger too? Maybe I might get I might get booed out of that stadium. Shoot, you might be set on fire. Don't forget, Vancouver is the team that Vancouver fans were the ones that rioted when they lost the Stanley Cup final. Yep, yep. There's there there are inherent risks involved. Uh, but I, I got to get Mel on board with that before I do that. Oh, you know, just to backtrack a little bit. Yeah. With the Coyotes moving back to the Central. I feel like if they would have better aligned it, I would like Detroit back in the Central, send Nashville to the East. Yeah, I I agree. As well. I, I want Detroit back. I, I, I don't... I hate that the NHL broke up one of the fiercest rivalries in the league. Uh... Although I don't know, I don't know that I'd necessarily want to get rid of Nashville. Like you know, they're they're like the scourge of our division right now. But at the same time, like it's kind of turning into a great rivalry. Like I just I hate them so much. Yeah. And I kind of I kind of want them to. I kind of want them to stay around because you know, we hate them and they clearly hate us because we. We we were the scourge of the division for them for many years, like the like the twenty ten season, or like the twenty ten playoff series when uh, uh, when when Marion Hosa uh, stole their lunch money, and uh, the twenty fifteen series where uh, where they chased Crawford, and uh, Darling had to step in and uh, uh, support the team and net for the rest of that series. Yeah, and then um, the fact that Nashville specifically is after Hawks fans from attending their games. Yeah, yeah, the whole keep the red out thing. It's 
I I think that's unfair. As just in general. Like that should not be something that's allowed. Yeah. Keeping opposing fans out of their stadium. I I get that they want to create a really strong home game atmosphere. Uh, and they, they're legitimately one of the toughest buildings to play in. I think there was actually a, uh, uh, there's a, a player survey recently and, uh, Nashville was up there. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it feels, it feels kind of gross. It, it doesn't feel, it, it feels fake. It's like they're, they're artificially creating this. This intense home atmosphere. I don't know. It's like... Yeah, but I mean, the thing is, like, the thing that bothers me, like, it wasn't just for, like, uh, fans of all opposing teams, specifically Blackhawks fans. That's what bothers me. Like, if you're going to ban one team's fan base from your building, like, that's unfair. Like, if you're going to do it for one, you should do it for everybody. Yeah. Uh, It's... And I'm surprised the league didn't, like, step in and say, like, hey, you guys can't do that. Yeah. I mean, it, obviously, it, you know, it, it makes sense why they would single us out. We're, we're close geographically, and uh, uh, Chicago fans travel well. Go away, dog. The dog's outside the door again. Um, but, yeah, still, it just, it feels weird it feels gross it's i don't like it i don't like it. and I'm, I'm I'm not just saying that because i'm obviously a biased hawks fan it's i it wouldn't sit right with me if we did that to other teams and other teams fans um uh so moving on we got some uh we got some rumors in the pipeline here uh there's a rumor that Stan Bowman is interested in going after uh, Sam Gagner of the Vancouver Canucks. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Gagne. Is it Gagne? I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, I'm trusting you on this one. Uh, Sam Gagne. Gan. Gan. Yeah, Gagne. 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 Yeah. It's hard to say. Uh. So he's got, uh, last year he had uh, 10 goals and 21 assists, and he was minus 18 in 74 games played, which is uh, solid. That's, you know, that's like a, on a good team, that's a a good third liner. Maybe a second liner. Um, uh, This season, he, he did spend some time in the AHL. They, I guess they started the season with too many forwards, so they sent him to uh, the AHL, and they loaned him to the Toronto Marlies, which is the, the, obviously the, the, the AHL affiliate for the Maple Leafs, because he wanted to be close to home. Uh, he came back, and then they, they, they sent him back down, and they loaned him out again. Um, there's, there's, there's room for him. Here we we do need depth scoring. It's one of our one of our uh, biggest needs at the moment. Um, I'm looking up his contract right now. I want to know how much he makes. Um, 
His his cap hit is three point one five million. That's not bad. No, no, it's not bad, and we could afford it right now, but I don't know what we'd give up for him. It, it sounds like it sounds like they don't really want him too badly in Vancouver, so I can't imagine that they'd want a lot. Well, they're re- keep in mind that they're rebuilding as well, so that could be part of the reason why. That's true. That's true. Well. They want their younger players to develop at the NHL level, so. Yeah, Gagne is, um, how old is he? He's 29. He's my age. He's like two months older than me. Um, yeah, that makes sense. So they'd probably want, like, draft picks or prospects for him. Um. Or, you know, to tie this into the other rumor... (laughs) Tied into the other rumor. Um, there is a rumor that uh, Stan Bowman has been shopping uh, Brandon Manning and Jan Ruda. Uh, I don't know that he's necessarily going to find any suitors for those two uh, for a trade. But we, we do, with Connor Murphy coming back tonight, we are going to have a glut of defensemen. And... Someone's got to go. Or someone's got to get sent down to the AHL. And those two, it seems like, are the, uh, the ones who underperform the most consistently. Uh, the, the problem is, if you send those two... Let's say you send both of them down to the AHL. That is, that's a $4.5 million worth of payroll just toiling away in the minors. Uh, why Stan Bowman gave each of them two and a quarter million dollars is beyond me. But he did. And I don't know how he's going to get rid of them. Uh, I mean, worst case scenario, uh, Jan Ruda is a, uh, a free agent after this season. We could just, like, let him go. We could let him walk. Uh, Manning is signed for another season after this. I don't know what you do with him. See, the one thing with Ruda, and, like, I was reading earlier, that, um, like, he was playing well last season up until he got hurt and had that concussion. Ruda had a concussion last year? I guess so. And Hmm. apparently he has not been the same ever since. Um, I do know that there was a stretch last season in, like, December where he was paired in the second pairing with uh, Gustav Forsling, and they made for a pretty decent shutdown pairing. But then after that, everything just kind of... Everything kind of broke apart. Those two stopped performing, and then uh, Q opted to break them up. Uh, Forsling later went back down to the AHL. Uh, Ruda, for some reason, was given a contract extension. Uh, my, my only guess, my only, just to give Stan Bowman the benefit of the doubt here, my guess is that he wasn't sure what our defenseman situation was going to look like the following year, which is this year. And he, he would rather have, uh, he would rather have a bunch of mediocre defensemen who the coach could pick and choose from than to not have enough defensemen. Uh, but I, I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know, because that has not been playing out well for us anyways, because our defense is ass. Yeah. He should have just he should have just never re-signed him. He should have gone after a better defenseman in free agency than Brandon Manning, who also is now a uh, a minor albatross. Like, these two are four and a half million dollars worth of cap space that we we don't need to be using. We don't need to be spending that money. That's that's the same amount of money that uh, Artem Anisimov makes, and I'd rather have another Artem Anisimov. That's half of us Brent Seabrook for two players. Yeah, Seabrook's a special case, though. <laughs> okay, so let's get into the discussion portion. <coughs> um, so the first item I have here is uh, the Blackhawks are currently last place in the standings. So assuming that they don't move around much, in uh, the next, uh, you know, until the end of the season, then we have a legitimate chance at drafting uh, Jack Hughes or Capocacco or however you say his name. I, 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 I just feel really uncomfortable saying that name. Um, and if that happens, then we can acquire these, these generational talents, these guys who can... Uh, who can really like be the cornerstone of the next core? Uh, so I feel like I'm I'm optimistic about the future right now because if the Hawks were just like in a middling position, if they were you know like two points out of a playoff spot, or if they were like uh, if they made the playoffs but they were one and done, then you know we we'd not have a very successful season but we'd also not have a super high draft pick uh but as it stands we currently have a very good chance again assuming that the hawks don't go on a run in the second half of the season and climb to like 20th in the league or something we we have a very good chance of drafting one of these really talented uh prospects and in addition, we still have enough talent on the roster, and we have these promising young defensemen in the pipeline that we could possibly turn it around really quickly. This doesn't need to be like a full rebuild, per se. This doesn't need to be like three years of missing the playoffs and then a year of, uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily have to take the same path that like the Maple Leafs took. Um, this could be more like, Colorado, where it was kind of like a slow descent, and then suddenly, bam, they're really good again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got that, uh, uh, they've they've got that that top line of Rontanen, uh, Landeskog, and McKinnon to show for it. I mean, just just imagine Jack Hughes on the same line as Patrick Kane. The future Patrick Kane paired with the current Patrick Kane. That'd be something. Or something. Uh, so if I'm the GM of the Blackhawks, what I would do is I would I'd go to John McDonough and I'd say, hey, I think what we should try to do is we should try to get this draft pick. We should try to win the lottery. We should try to get one of these top two guys. Uh, because this season, it's, it's not lost yet, but it's, it's getting there. And things aren't... They're not... It's, it's not looking like we're going to turn a corner. Um, 
maybe, you know, like the losing streak's got to end. But we're not suddenly going to become a contender. Not with this roster. Right. So maybe we just embrace it. We say, let's, let's give the young guys some more playing time. Let's try to develop these guys. Let's, uh, let's, let's take the pressure off the coach that he's got to be the, the savior of this team who we fired a future Hall of Fame coach for. So let's, let's get one of these draft picks. Let's go into free agency aggressive with the, like, 10-plus uh, million dollars that we're going to have in cap space. Let's sign, you know, Artemi Panarin or Matt Duchesne or something like that. Uh, let's, let's try to get Adam Boquist or Ian Mitchell or Nicholas Bodin into the roster out of camp next season. Uh, you stick those guys with, you know, you still got Heath, you got Yoki Haru, who's gonna year, who's gonna have a year under his belt. He's gonna be better. Um, you're gonna have uh, Eric Gustafson, who is like a legit top four guy. He can, he's not perfect. I'm not saying that Eric Gustafson is perfect. He still makes some of those risky plays, but he's on a good team. He's a he's a four, a five, and on a team like the Blackhawks, he's you know, he's a three. Um, and then you got Gustav Forsling, who is, you know, he's playing a pretty solid game right now. Uh, if you take those four guys, plus, let's say, let's say just Boquist makes it. I think he's got a real good shot, because he almost made the team out of camp this year. I feel um, like he should have. Maybe. Maybe. Although, it's, it's, it's definitely going to be good for him to have some more time uh, developing. But let's say even one of those guys makes it. We're going to have five top four guys. Which, I, you know, could be solid. Um, and then, uh, and then uh, plus Seabrook. Seabrook's not going anywhere. Yeah. But uh, to be fair, Seabrook is fine in a third parent role. Like, he performs fine. You don't want to pay $7 million to a third parent guy, but there's nothing we can do about that anymore. Um, best to just live with it and just wait it out. But uh, Seabrook is fine in a third pairing role. So him with these five other guys, you've got, you know, a pretty decent defense core. And then you take what we have now with you know Taves, Kane, the Brinket. Uh, let's say that maybe Strom takes another step. You you want him to? You don't know that he will necessarily. He struggled in Arizona. You add. Uh, a Matthew Shane or an Artemi Panarin or it, it probably won't be Panarin by the way don't get excited but Matthew Shane that'd be a solid pickup yeah it would yeah he's like a like a 50 point guy I think he's uh, a 50-60 point guy he's his current contract's like 6 million yeah I think yeah. Duchesne's probably gonna be around the between 7 and 9 7 and 8 and a half I think it's gonna be his number Maybe. If he's playing in Ottawa, his numbers might be a little uh, repressed, which could, you know, work in favor of those who want to sign him. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, it's, it's not the difference between, like, giving him $9 million and giving him $5 million, but it's maybe like a half million in difference. I don't know. Um, so you sign some more guys up front. Maybe Dylan Sakira makes the lineup. And then you've got, you got like three de decent lines, I think. Yeah. 
<clears throat> and then at that point, the Hawks are back in the conversation. <coughs> Maybe they're not necessarily what they, you know, they're not going to be the, 20, the, the 2013 Hawks again. They probably won't even be the 2015 Hawks again. But, you know, they could be back in the playoffs. They could be fun to watch again. And until, like, we could, we could at least enjoy riding this out until, uh, until, like, the Seabrook contract is off the books and the, uh, and, you know, Keith retires and maybe, like, Kane and Taves, their contracts are up and maybe they're not quite done, but we're, they're still playing for, like, $2 million or something. I don't know. <clears throat> and then we build around the new core. So that's that's my optimistic prediction. I don't know that it'll necessarily play out that way. Uh, given Stan Bowman's recent history, I could also see something like, uh, like he he just lets Perlini walk because he hasn't scored any goals, and then he uh, he signs fucking uh, 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 Jory Laterra to six million dollars. And that's his big splash deal for the summer. And he brings in some old, grizzled veteran, like, you know, like a Chris Kunitz or a Patrick Sharp. And he's like, ah, look, these guys, they're going to make you better. They're depth. Uh, in which case, in which case we need a new GM. Yeah, no, we still need a new GM anyway. Yeah. I don't know. People have been pretty hard on Bowman recently, uh, and I think there's a very good reason to do so. But let's let's also be thankful that we don't have like that the that the Hawks don't have like a Gar Pack situation. Oh god. <laughs> the the Bulls employees <laughs> for life who just hit the reset button every like two or three years. Oh, I don't even want to go there. So let's be thankful it's not that bad. Now, so I feel like one thing that if, like, I'm basically going to consider this a lost season for the Hawks. I yeah. think what they should do, what Colleton would, should do is he should cut the top six, like, um, cut down the top two lines minutes down and let the bottom two lines play more. But at the same time, I feel like some of these guys, they should call up some of the younger guys that are down in the AHL mm-hmm. and let them play out the season just for development. I mean, granted, yeah, they're going to get some development in the AHL, but it'd be better for them to see NHL-level competition where I feel like they could learn faster and adjust quicker to the league versus just getting seasoned down to eight. In the AHL. And then the same thing with the defense. Like, Boquist, I feel like he could definitely be called up. And if you can't trade... Um, if you can't trade Ruda or Manning, mm-hmm. and they're stuck on your roster, why not bring Boquist up, too? Let him have some minutes. Why not run seven defensemen and have, <laughs> like, Boquist playing? Because so, you can cut down the minutes on, like, Keith and Seabrook while giving Boquist experience in minutes, as well as, like, Yoki Haru, Murphy, and mm-hmm. the others. Yeah. Um, 
I agree with a lot of that. I think that uh, the time is probably quickly approaching that the Hawks give uh, Sakira or Anthony Lewis a call up from Rockford um, to see if they can bring some more offense to the table. Um, I I don't know that that necessarily follows the uh, um, the uh, the plot line that this is a lost season, but. Um, I, I will say my one argument against promoting Boquist, I, I'd say there's two arguments. One, you don't want to fuck up his development by putting him in the, in the NHLs too soon. Um, uh, but number two, uh, I think it would behoove the Hawks to look forward a little bit to the Seattle expansion draft. Uh, we got some guys like uh, like Boquist, Mitchell, <laughs> and uh, Bodan. I think these guys, if we if we don't burn any years on their contracts, then we don't have to protect them in the expansion draft. Those guys are going to be really appealing to a team like Seattle. True. Going into the expansion draft. Um, however, uh, some of these younger guys, they're. Um, I, I'm a little hazy on the exact rules, but basically, like, uh, like these younger guys who are under their entry-level contracts, they don't need to be protected. I think we'll probably have to protect Yoki Haru by that point, um, and I think we'll have to protect um, Debrinket. But uh, those three, as long as we wait long enough, uh, and as long as it, it pans out with their development. If it, if, it fits, um, if it fits the plan with their development, then it would probably be wiser to wait until next season to promote them. Well, wouldn't calling them up next season regardless make them eligible for the expansion draft? Because it wouldn't be until the season after. Let's see, the expansion draft is... It's going to take place in 2020. I thought it was 2021. No, because if the team was going to be... Wouldn't they, aren't they going to be in for 2020? Like, the 2020-2021 season? Isn't that going to be their inaugural season? Uh, okay, the expansion draft is in 2021. Oh, okay. 21-22 is their inaugural season. Okay. So, so still three years out then. Yeah. So, let's see. So yeah, regardless yeah. if you call them up next season or the season after, there's a good chance they could be eligible for the expansion draft. I well, I I was reading a I was reading a Scott Powers piece on this today, and I think the the piece was about the expansion draft. Um, but if you if we wait until next season to promote them, I believe that they're still going to be under their entry level contracts. And they won't need, or maybe it's like a uh, like a games played thing. I forget, but for some reason, if if we don't promote them until next season, at the earliest, then we don't have to protect them. Okay. Um. So, I would I would go that route. At least for like those three guys, our our high end defensive prospects. These guys who we we hope will be you know, the future defensive core. Uh, 
so moving on, just the last thing I have on the discussion I, uh, itinerary here is uh, now the cat's out there too. The cat and the dog, they're both double teaming this door trying to knock it down. It's almost dinner time. It, it is almost dinner time. Six minutes. Well, I mean, I, I get home at like 5.15 on most days. So just go away, you dog. Um, all right, so let's wrap this up so I can feed the stupid animals. Um, Connor Murphy comes back to the lineup tonight. Uh, is he going to save the season? No. No. No, he's not. The defense might be like 5% better. Yes. At most. Our defense will be incrementally better. Uh, again, he hasn't... Uh, he's, he's been practicing with the team. He's cleared for contact, but he hasn't played a real game since last season. Um, so I, I wouldn't even expect him to perform really, really well until... I don't know. I, I give him a couple weeks, at least. Yeah, his <clears throat> conditioning has to be back to 100%, and it's not going to be there right away, so. Yeah, and then in addition to that, you know, like last season, he kind of struggled early because he, he was switching from Arizona system to Q's system, and Q's system, you know, we've talked about this in the past, Q does, like, a more zone defense system, whereas everyone else is more man-to-man, uh, but Colton's system is man-to-man, so... he. Every, the um, the the learning curve that everyone else has had to deal with for the past month, uh, Murphy's probably going to have to deal with now, having gotten used to Q's system and adapted to that. Although I don't know that it'll be a tough transition for him, not nearly as tough as it has been for uh, Seabrook or Keith, because those guys were playing Q's system for a decade, and Murphy was doing it for eight months so uh i'm sure you know murphy's gonna return to form pretty quickly he's also young he's got his best years ahead of him uh i think he's gonna be he's gonna be an asset for the team once they come back i'm actually a little worried that he's gonna ruin our shot at uh drafting hughes or uh capo no that's what i'm saying play the younger defenseman more and the young the the third and fourth lines more give more minutes yeah helps I'd, with the tanking yeah I I'd, I'd really like to see I'd really like to see Colton cut down uh, Keith and Seabrook's minutes I you know take them off special teams maybe play them like seventy to seventy five games a season there's there's no reason that like. There's, there's there's kind of a like a culture in hockey where you know you want to be there every game you don't want to be sitting in the press box you want to be out there supporting your team but i don't i think that they should embrace a little bit of humility in you know the the fact that they're they're a little older and they need more rest than the younger guys do yeah and then not to mention just how many straight seasons of playoffs, deep playoff runs the team had. So oh, yeah. these guys have tons and tons of mileage on them. Yeah, I think I think during the 15 run, uh, Keith averaged like 32 minutes a night or something. Yeah. It was insane. But yeah, those those guys could use some more rest, uh, especially with the younger guys coming up. Let, give them some more play time. And if we do end up calling this a lost season, which we probably will eventually, uh... You know, really just, like, like cut Keith and Seabrook down to, like, 10 to 15 minutes a night and let the young guys go out there and make mistakes. Let them learn. 
Yeah. That's exactly what I, I would like to see them do. Especially, like, those guys that are now up there with the team. Like, mm-hmm. it is a good chance it would help speed up their development. It, the more minutes you give them. That way, the more mistakes they make, the more film they can watch, and mm-hmm. the more improvements they can make. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Especially especially if we do embrace the narrative that this is a lost season, and that the losses don't really matter. And, you know, it's not like... It's not like when Q was in charge, and he would... He'd give a shift to a young guy, and then he'd go out there and make a mistake, and then the guy wouldn't play for the rest of the game. Because Q just gave him such a short leash. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny, though. Like, just, like, my last thing, just to touch this up. Like, right now, like, got the Blackhawks sucking ass. We got the Bulls sucking ass. <laughs> but at least the Bears are doing good. That's like... So that means the fall and winter is not going to be too miserable because we have the Bears to look forward to, at least. <laughs> it's like we're back in 2006. Yeah, because what, last season, all three were pretty bad, so... <laughs> yeah. Last season was not fun. Yeah, last season, it was just the Cubs who were good. And, I don't know, the Cubs are the Cubs are in a bit of a transition uh, period right now. I mean, they're not bad now, but they're, like, they're... They seem to be pivoting a little bit. They're... They are... Uh... You know, Theo said it is... Uh, sorry, we're transitioning to the Cubs for a minute now. Um, but Theo said at his end-of-season press conference that they're going to try to... Um, they're going to play guys based on their their production rather than their potential. So if, uh, if guys like Bryant or um, Schwarber are underperforming, then they're going on the trade block because they're, they're not... Producing, it's not. It's no longer a matter of uh, what are you going to do for me tomorrow. It's what did you do for me t- yesterday. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully the Bears do well. Hopefully the Cubs keep doing well. Hopefully, hopefully the Sox do well this next year. Mm-hmm. Especially if they they get Harper, or Machado, or Machado, or both. Maybe. <laughs> oh my goodness. Maybe both. I. I I would eat my hat if that happened. The socks hat he gave me. Um, actually, did you did you see that that rumor that the uh, the socks are on the short list of like the like the three teams that Harper is seriously considering? Yeah, it's like the Phillies, the Dodgers, and the Sox. The Dodgers doesn't surprise me. The Phillies, I'm like actually completely not surprised one bit because yeah, there's they're re- they've been rebuilding and they're starting to get into a scary team again. Oh, really? Yeah, because back in, what was it, I think 2008 was the last time they won the World Series. Yeah. They were a scary team in the late 2000s. Yeah, I, um... They got, uh... They got Arietta over there now. Um... So, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, you can... You can tweet at us on Twitter. Our, uh, our official podcast account is at sweater pod you can also tweet at me i'm at luke stanberry um send us any uh questions uh any discussion topics that you think we should go over um oh maybe make a poll and ask if um 
it's a lot if the Hawks should just consider this a lost season or not at this point. That'd be Maybe. a cool question. I, I think I can predict what the responses are going to be primarily though. But I'll do it. I'll do it. Um so tweet at us, uh rate us on iTunes or Google Podcasts or whatever you're listening to us on, give us five stars. If you give us less than that, I will find you and I will hurt you. Um I, I'm that's not true. I'm too lazy. But uh, please give us five stars. Uh, tell tell your friends about us. Um, that's all we got. See you uh, in a couple weeks. Bye. Bye.